Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Gentleman's World. Cadence is perfect. Perfect for me. It turns out that we were getting more subscribers coming through on Spotify, which is intriguing to me because on Basic Cryptonomics, which is one of our other podcasts, we're seeing a decrease in Spotify subscriptions compared to iHeartRadio, likely triggered due to the whole situation with Joe Rogan and Neil Young. And of course, I don't listen to Neil Young's music at all. Do I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast? Not in its entirety. I generally listen to the snippets where there's a guest that's relevant, mostly because I understand that he is he has his own opinions and he has his own statements, and he's made some controversial statements in the past. However, he's never made anything that is targeted directly to me as an individual. What he has done is he said very, let's say, unsettling things in the past about African Americans and so on, I don't largely take that to credence because we know that there's quite a few people that have said very negative things about African-Americans, including people who have dated African-Americans. So I'm not going to attack him for things that is more of an, it, it happens frequently and happens more frequently than one might think. So as a result, no, I have not boycotting, banning or anything. Our podcast will be available on every major platform, at least basic cryptonomics is. For Gentleman's World, it is available on Spotify, but it's also available on Apple Podcasts if you don't want to do Spotify. Or you can you can literally plug in our podcast to a local application that you choose. So you don't have to use Spotify to listen to the show if you are bothered by what's going on with the Neil Young situation. You do not have to use Spotify. Even if you have a Spotify account, you don't have to use it to listen to the podcast. If what happened bothered you, you are able to download an application on your phone plug and do a search for Leicester Life and it will come up and you can subscribe directly there. That that works for any app. Or you can go to iHeartRadio. We're on there as well. I'm working on more platforms, but the reason I haven't done aggressive push for those is because Gentleman's World doesn't have anywhere near the subscribers that Basic Cryptonomics does. So if you share the podcast out to your friends and family and get more people on board, I'm happy to get on more platforms. It's just I need to make sure to justify it. And by Having more subscribers, I can do that. You can send them to CryptoTalkRadio.net. That will give it the list of all of our podcasts. Scroll down, and you're going to see uh, Basic Cryptonomics at the top. Then you'll see Gentleman's World, and then you'll see For the Love of Boxing. Under Gentleman's World today, we do have alternates. And I want to be clear, because I know it's a polarizing issue, and I don't think it should have been, but it's a polarizing issue. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to share information and we all have individual opinions. And I think we should be entitled to those opinions, no matter what you agree with them or not. I think we should be able to have the discourse conversation about what we do and don't agree with and work together as a society. Ideally, we work to get back to a world where we can express whatever we want to express. And I'm not taking a side. I'm saying that Neil Young has every right to be bothered by what's happening. I don't agree with him trying to cancel culture approach it and joe rogan has every right to express what he wants to express i don't agree with his my way or the highway approach like both sides are right and wrong i don't agree with that i think it should simply be neil young speaks with his wallet pulls his music off spotify don't do the threat just pull it just yank it and say I'm, I'm going on spotify and be done with it similar to the way dave Chappelle yanked his stuff off netflix he didn't do it because of somebody else bothering him he did it because of financial reasons but the point is he pulled it and spoke with his wallet and then eventually they begged him to come back. Cool. Then fortunately Netflix didn't bow down when there was an issue with somebody else on the, the closer. So 
I just believe that we need to get back to the world where we are allowed to express opinions and, and have our own stance and speak with our own wallets and make our own decisions without trying to resort to a cancel culture approach. Because that seems like the default for everybody. It's like cancel X, cancel Y. And I don't agree with that because I think we're, we're better than that, especially when you're adults. When you're younger, you can kind of see why they feel the way they do because they don't understand the world of book burning and so on. I just think we need to get back to a better society. Regardless, let's get into our show today. I had a I had an interaction, and this is not new. It's it's happened before, and I felt like I wanted to share it because I suspect that there's others that had a similar interaction at some point. And I think it's part of the reason why you know you hear all these employers talking about can't find employees we need, do, 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 which of course is not true. They could, they're not willing to give in order to get those to happen. When I look at any engagement, whether it's a contract engagement or it's a full time engagement, doesn't matter. I want 50-50. I no longer will tolerate giving of myself where the employer benefits and I'm supposed to be just happy with a check. It doesn't work for me, brother. And I don't really care when they rattle off, you know, hey, we got a 401k, which is garbage because the 401k is a poor replacement for the pensions that we used to have. Well, hey, we got medical care, which is garbage because you usually have high co-pays or it's a high deductible or some other thing that makes it not financially practical to do it. Hey, we got dental care. That's cool. But again, high copays and it's kind of a nonsense. Vision care, which is cool, but vision care is nowhere near as expensive as medical care. And then regardless of all those, because of COVID impacts, you can't even get access to these services very easily. You might be denied certain services and then they don't do certain cosmetic services. So to me, those benefits don't fluff for me. If you're a person who has a family, you have kids and a significant other and da 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 I can see why that would be top of your list and I would support it. I'm not saying get rid of them. I'm saying for me as an individual, those don't do anything for me. What does it for me now? It used to be that I need to get the best check, but I'm willing to flex on check. I just need to make sure that we're meeting 50-50. I'm no longer giving the employer carte blanche to abuse me either physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, or financially. That means that I will ask for the salary that I want, and the salary is based on what you're asking for. So if you're asking me to write a bunch of code, my price goes up. Why? Because code takes longer to do than the other alternatives that are available that solve the same problem. I'll write you code, but I'm going to charge you more. What I expect is that the company will say, okay, you determine when you need to write the code. We're not going to force you to do it. If you don't need to do it and you can still solve our problem, great, great. My salary goes down. I don't need to charge you more. If rogue director X comes in and says, we're going back to a full code shop, I'm going to walk over to HR and say, you need to start paying me more money. And if you don't, I'll walk because I'm no longer in this groove of just allowing the employer to abuse me. I'm unique in this regard because many employees, because of fear-based science, are afraid for their job. And, and that's fine because they may be taking care of family or elderly or something. They need the money. I got you. I just think that the employers have too much power. And in a perfect world, we would get away from what we've been doing, which is we're, we're giving them access to too much of ourselves. And I don't know when, when and why we got to this point, and I'm trying to push it back in the opposite direction to where the employee is the one that maintains the power in the family. And no, unions are not the solution. Unions are embedded with the employer now. And many people say, no, unions are the way to go back. No, they're not. Unions used to be when the union was not in bed with the employer. Every union is in bed with the employer. Some unions are less in bed with the employer, but every union's in bed with the employer. 
until we get to the point where the union is truly independently separate under federal law, the union is useless to me. And I'm speaking as somebody who worked on the union. So I understand how it worked. Plus my grandparents worked on the union, so they understood it. They explained all this stuff to me. So as I have this stance now where I'm not going to go in, I'm not going to go in knowing I can lose Sun Tzu art of war. I also realize that there's other factors in play and they start with the hiring process. Have you ever gone to a situation where you see a job description and it's perfect either in what you want to do, or it seems like they looked at your resume and wrote it around your resume. So it's like a perfect fit for you and you reach out, whether it's through a contract or full time, I'm not delineating either side. I'm saying regardless, you reach out and you're saying, I think I'm a perfect fit for this. Here's my resume. HR looks at it. They agree. Looks like you're a perfect fit for this. We're going to move you forward to the process or your vendor. If you're a contract, yep, looks like it's good. We're going to submit you through. And you get to the hiring manager, the recruiting manager, the person who's going, that basically would be your boss. And you get to this person and they're describing functions and requirements that have nothing to do with the job description. Like it's, it's almost like they're screening you for a completely different job. And you don't know why. You don't understand how did this get so derailed? Because what you should be doing as a company, this is to you companies. When you write up a job description, that hiring manager should be the one who wrote it. If that hiring manager writes one thing but talks another thing on the interview, that's a problem. In our country, for stupid reasons, we have precluded the ability to record. But what we should do, ideally, is we should start considering recording those hiring manager interviews. I'm talking HR to make sure that that or have HR in the mean. I don't care to make sure that the hiring manager is consistent with what we advertise, because consider it's basically a bait and switch. If you're telling the person that they're going to be doing this on the job description up front, and that's what caused them to apply and spend 30 minutes filling out your ATS and submit a resume and go through all these calls and go through the screening and go through all this stuff for weeks to finally get in front of the hiring manager, only to have the hiring manager give you a completely different sense of the work. To me, that shouldn't be acceptable, but it is acceptable right now. So then what happens? You then give feedback to HR or to your vendor that you're working with or to your recruiter if they're placing you. And you tell them this was nowhere close to the job description. What happened? And nobody has an answer. That's unacceptable. Why does nobody have an answer? We should have an answer. We don't have an answer because we don't have that person in the room during the recruiting process. I have one engagement. It was supposed to be a contract engagement out in Georgia. And... There, the, in this case, it's a vendor, and the vendor was present on the call and heard what they were asking. And when we, we talked about it after the fact to say, what did you think? And she said, yeah, I don't know what happened, what changed, because everything sounded good, and all of a sudden it's completely different. Because in their case, what they advertised, what they, they needed me to implement a certain platform, no problem, easy work. It's fully remote, no problem, easy work. Takes, you know, a couple months, no problem, easy work. When we get on the call, they're talking about, we need you to, then they need you to build out their people soft and build out their this and build out their that and need you on site. Nothing of what was talked about up front. So the recruiters caught off guard because she's told something completely different than what this company was talking about. And I said, look, I can do what you want, but my rate's going to go way up because you're, what you should be doing is you should be working with your internal resources not trying to farm out all these things. Like, where's your PeopleSoft developer? Why are you having me implement PeopleSoft? You should have PeopleSoft people already. Or we bring on a PeopleSoft developer under this vendor and we work it as a team so that we spread the work out. And when you're trying to have one person do all this, you're never going to find somebody to do that 
that's willing to do it for less than 200 grand, you're a joke. And if you do find somebody at that rate, they're going to jack it up. I couldn't get them to understand it. So they decided to pick, they decided to go elsewhere. And that's cool because at some point they're going to come back just like with, you know, the department of economic, whatever in Pennsylvania and this other company where they've been spinning for at least five years and they refuse to let go of silly requirements where they, yeah, you get on the phone, it's a completely different world, and I'm telling them what you're asking is doable, but you need to come out of pocket. But the the talk points, the, the, the actual interview, quote-unquote, is completely different than what you present up front, and as a result, it's causing that discrepancy in the offering because I think a lot of these companies assume, nope, they're gonna ask, we're going to ask you how much you want, and that's all we're going to pay you, but we're going to ask for work that's equivalent to two FTEs, two full-time employees. No, that doesn't work for me, brother. At the end of the day, if I know the work you're asking is essentially two FTEs worth, I'm going to ask for two FTEs worth of salary, or I'm going to say we need to hire two people on this. Why? Because what we need to get away from is people being abused in the workplace under requirements that don't make any sense. And I know there's people listening that say, well, no, we should just take whatever opportunities. No. Because what that does is it depresses salary potential for everybody. It removes work-life balance. It removes your ability to control your own destiny. And it sets a bad precedent with the employers by telling them that they have the power that they don't. They shouldn't. They should control the outcome. What is the outcome we need? And that's it. How we get there should be our control if you're a contractor or if you're working with a vendor or a recruiter. We need to all be clear when we are the specialists, we say, no, that's the work of three people working on a team. We go back and say, you need to find three people. I'm happy to be one of them. Whether I'm an overseer or I'm a developer or I'm a PM or a BA, it doesn't matter. I am one of these people, but you need three on this because there's no way. And then figure out how to price it because it's going to be more expensive because the customer assumed that they would just cram a bunch of work into one person. The reason I'm so adamant against this is because when you take that stance of trying to cram everything to one person, what happens? That person is going to leave and they're going to leave in short order and they're going to leave you hanging high and dry. And then you're going to be stuck with solutions you can't support because you force that person to do all the work instead of having your internal people do some of it and stay engaged and involved in most of it so that they know how to support it. That person is going to leave you high and dry because they know now that you guys were silly enough to pay them this much money to build some one-off solutions, but they're not going to be happy there. And so they're going to go find, so they're going to be searching for something else. They're going to do it temporarily just to get the money and then they're going to leave. Why is that okay? Because the company, the recruiter, the vendor, whoever is spending a lot of money to try to find you, to do the onboarding, to do the screening. I talked about how much we pay for screening candidates. So I want a world where we get back to more empowerment for the employee slash contractor to say, no, you give me the problem. What do I need to solve for you? I'll tell you what that takes to do it, including the price. You can shop me out all you care to, but at the end of the day, you will not give me you will not give me a job description that says it's XY. And then I get you on the phone and it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's not gonna work. We need to figure out how to get them consistent. So you need to advertise A, B, C, D, E, F, G up front and deal with the fallout of not getting any hits. And then you can call me. And I'll gladly answer your call and my price hasn't changed. You're just going to need to come out of pocket because you're not able to get anybody else or get A, B, C, D, E, F, G to look like X, Y. And then all of a sudden you got a candidate pool, but you're going to need to live without it. Speaking of which, when you're dealing with a company 
and the company has others they need to answer to, right? It's another client, it's investors, whatever else. Those need to be level set as well. When you only have a limited budget, so there's only so much that you can afford to spend, we need to make sure that that's crystal clear to everybody in that room. We need to make sure everybody all agrees we only have budget X. And because we have only budget X, you're going to need to live without some stuff. What some companies started to do was to create a list of must-haves versus nice-to-haves. And then you have to have a hard conversation about what you're describing as must-have versus nice-to-have. Having somebody on site is not a must-have for a developer. It's not. I don't care what I don't care what company it is. It's not a requirement because of the not only cloud, but also VPN access became a thing. So there are ways that you can get that to be a nice to have, but you're going to need to let go. I see companies list everything is must have, and, and I look at it. And it's like ten years of da, 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 da. Why is that a must have? It's not a must have. It's a nice to have because you could always have somebody ramp up over time. You don't need it up front. You want it up front. That's not a must have. It's a nice to have. Having somebody have a, I had one company I talked to, and it's a low-level position. Doesn't I think I might have talked about it? Low-level position didn't pay half of nothing, and they squawked when I when we were talking about higher higher pay, and they required a CCNA. You don't need a CCNA for the work that you're asking. It's basic tier one support. You don't need a CCNA. You want one, but you don't need it. So that should be a must, a nice to have, so that you can increase your candidate pool. And I think there's a disconnect between HR and the back end where HR is doing their best to try to entice people to apply because it's a challenging market, but also to entice people to keep in the process, given that you guys are slow. I'm talking employee recruiters. You're slow. And so you have to keep people in the process so they don't go somewhere else that's, that's a little bit faster than you are. But the simple matter is, rather than wasting time with a job description that's bunk, how about we get smarter about the job description to where it matches what that hiring manager is going to be talking about. The hiring manager should basically be reading off that job description in detailing what's going to be expected of the role, just like HR should be reading off that same job description. So there's consistency across the board. If you know that there's a need for that person to eventually develop into more things later, you can call that out in the job description and in the HR and in the hiring manager interviews. But I don't think that you should go in under the auspice of a job description that's basically false. All you're then doing is giving a negative impression to that applicant, that candidate, that you guys don't know what the heck you're doing. So the reason that I was really frustrated more about this than most anything else is because I'm starting to see it happen more and more. I'm starting to see happen that the hiring manager just has this lofty vision of what they want you to do, but then the company's only willing to pay a small amount of money. And so now your lofty vision, there's no way that's going to really be truly a thing. You're never going to find somebody to do that for this pay. However, if we're willing to come out of pocket a little bit, I'm happy to do it, but you're going to need to come out of pocket. What I would like to see more of is negotiation because I understand the needs of the business. I also understand the constraints of budget. So negotiation is how we solve that. And it seems like no company's willing to negotiate anymore. And that's a problem. When I say negotiate, if your job description is this and we say, yes, normally it's that, but for this one-off engagement, we need you to do X, Y, Z. No problem. That should be on your job description, number one. So fix that. That's part of the negotiation. I require you to fix that so that I can hold you accountable to it. Number two, the asking that I have, you need. it's like, no, I'm going to basically charge you the equivalent of two FTEs because that's what you're asking me for is the equivalent of two FTEs. You want a full-time, 
let's say Java programmer and a full-time DevOps person and a full-time architect. Okay, I'm going to come up with some fair numbers for each FTE and I'm going to combine them and give you a number. I expect you to say that number's too high. Good. Let's talk about what you're willing to let go of and make them nice to haves and say they're not required and I can get my number down. I don't want to hear, nope, this is what you got to do. Okay, then my number's this. And then we get into this impasse because they're not willing to negotiate. We have to go back to being willing to negotiate. I'm willing to move my number, but you got to move with your requirements. If your requirements don't move, my number doesn't move, you're free to shop me around. You're not going to find anybody that is equivalent level of competent. If you've got me to this point that I'm talking to the hiring manager, you've already determined that I'm probably the best fit for the role. However, I'm not going to flex on the number and my number is fair based on what you're asking. So change what you're asking and then my number changes. Like this is common sense. So many companies have been conditioned because so many employees, so many candidates have given of themselves and bowed down that now they have a false sense of confidence that, no, I could ask for anything and abuse them however I feel like it, and we'll just lowball the price. It's like, no, there will be people coming along. You can hire those people, but they're not going to stay. You're not going to have good retention. You're not going to have good satisfaction. You're not going to have good reviews. In fact, I contacted a CEO very recently who got terrible reviews because their hiring process sucks because they, by their own admission, the CEO himself admitted, we suck at diversity. Okay, if the top level says you suck at diversity and every review says you suck at diversity, why are you complaining about the reviews you're getting because they're telling the truth because you just admitted that that's the truth? So if that's happening and you're not willing to fix it, right, and somebody comes along that's willing to work with you and you still don't hire that person when it would immediately solve your diversity problem. At some point, folks, you can't, there's just this resistance that makes no sense. And that's the reason why, in summary, I chose to take a different path. I chose to not fight that anymore. I'm not going to give of myself. I'm not going to compromise myself. If you've got those fundamental issues, I'm happy to help you fix them because they're easy to fix. Diversity is an easy problem to fix. It's a silly, silly problem to have. If you have diversity problems, that's by choice. You've chosen to do that. You have people in the culture that do that. If you are a hiring manager and you just want the world, but you know your company's not going to pay for it, that's an easy problem to fix. You determine what's need to have versus must have, and HR tells them this is what it is. You cannot have what you want in order for us to meet the budget, or my hiring manager says we need to up the budget because I need more out of that person. It's These are easy to fix, and when people like myself try to come in and we try to help fix those problems, and we get that resistance where they don't even want to negotiate, where, look, I'll help you fix it, but you need to come out of pocket, or I'm happy to lower my rate, but you got to change this, and there's this total resistance. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it, and then they hire somebody on the cheap, or they hire somebody off scratch that's fresh out of college that doesn't know what they're doing yet because they didn't internship because of the pandemic, and then they get frustrated because that person washes out, and they leave because they're frustrated because they didn't realize the job was going to be so bad. And then they go back to go back out to bid or go back out to search and they're frustrated because now their search budget has gone way up all because they refused to pay me the extra ten twenty thousand dollars it would have taken in order for them to solve all this. It, it's this cycle, vicious cycle that I wasn't going to do anymore because I, I think of the numbers of it all, the, the math of it all is silly. The money and time you're spending and wasting fighting somebody like myself or somebody in the business that's kind of trying to come in, kind of consultant, or a new candidate that's really excited and has the right skills and meets your position. 
all the money and energy and time and everything that's being wasted because of this pointless resistance, because it's like children folding their arms, facing the corner. It's like you just, you refuse to do anything other than what you want and you won't let go, even irrespective of a pandemic. Like there's no logic to any of it. And I wasn't, if I can't make sense of it in my head, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I've done it before. I refuse to do it now. So that's what got me to this point of saying, I'm going to hold a stance and I'm going to put it out there. This is who I am. This is what I offer. This is what you'll get. As far as time and everything else, I can move whenever you're ready. I can do whatever I need to when you're ready, as long as it's fully remote. Why? Because we're still in a freaking pandemic. And until the federal government says there is no pandemic, which I don't think they ever will, but until they do, the best way to mitigate spread is social distance because, as we've learned, hopefully, getting something jabbed in your arm does not stop you from catching or spreading COVID. So given this, the best way to mitigate spread is to maintain social distance as much as we can. That means not going into those places, in those you know, communal places, unless we really have to. Going for a project manager meeting is not a requirement. You don't need it. So let's strip that requirement out because you don't need it. We like to do it. You can do it over video, and it's the same thing. Having that negotiation and having that conversation is something that Many of these companies don't seem to want to do anymore. And I don't know, I do know why, but I don't understand how it got so bad because the pandemic should have opened up negotiation. It should have caused them to start really thinking it through. And at the worst case, listen, as a consultant, I'm happy to come and do an assessment and tell you where your gaps are and where you're missing it and where it's not obvious to your lower level. Because I know it's the lower level. It's your project managers and your mid-level managers and your directors. They're the ones that come from cultures where you're all sitting in a room and open floor plan cubicles, and that's what they know, and they don't want to let go. And you're dealing with people that they want to cram a bunch of work on single people because they don't want to have massive staffs because they don't want to have massive salaries on the budget. I get it. I was there. But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. So either so something's got to give. We either have to stop saying, quote, can't find the employees we need, or we have to get to the point where we're willing to negotiate to get the employees we need correctly, people that are going to stay, people that are going to do the work that you need, not just bow down to what you ask them to do. I don't know that we'll ever get to that point, and that's frustrating. When has it ever made sense to try to turn the workplace into some ghetto variant of the military? Because that's what we have. That's what we have. You're required to show up at a certain time. You're required to be there a full eight hours. You're required to be in your chair. You have to go to these pointless meetings. And if you don't go to the meeting, you get chewed out, even though you didn't need to be in the meeting. And then when you started at the job and you were doing the application process, everything was one way. And then you get to the hiring manager and it's something totally different. But then you get in there and it's something totally different. It's just like, just like military, right? You go to the recruiting office. They give you all these glowing stories that are not really false, but they're glowing stories about the experience and your future and your career. And then you get in there and some, you know, drill sergeant screaming in your face and cussing at you and boots need to be shined and push-ups where they're grabbing your belt and all this. I think at some point, maybe that was the, maybe that was it. Maybe just a bunch of people came out of the military and went into the workforce and became leaders because they were in the military and then they imposed military values and principles on it. I don't know. I'm saying that ideally we need to get back to the world where it's a 50, 50, 
the employee should not be treated as a throwaway. The, I know that they are today, but they shouldn't be. The employee should be treated as a valuable asset to that company, and we should work to try to retain them, and it shouldn't matter if they're unemployed, and we should make sure that our job descriptions match what we tell them during the interview process. It should be consistent throughout, and when they start, we need to take care of them. And I don't mean sending them a nice, beautiful package of a bunch of swag that you post on LinkedIn. I'm talking about everything that we told you in the job description matches the day-to-day. If we don't need you in the office, you can work remote. We're not going to squawk about it. We don't have excessive meetings. We don't need you to do code when you don't need to. We don't need you to go travel when you don't need to. We want to give you a corporate car when you do need to travel. Like we want to take care of you. We don't want you to spend to benefit us. We want to you know, empower you and enrich you. And the only way to really get back to that world is somebody has to call it out. Thus, the reason for my minor rant about the situation because I don't see anybody else talking about it. I'm assuming it's because many people are afraid because there's the fear-based science causing people to lose their jobs. I'm not afraid of it. I'll call it out for what it is because I think it's wrong. And I think we need to get back to the world where the employee has more power than they do and the employee has the courage to step up and say, no, this needs to be a 50-50 or it's not going to work and I'll walk in a different direction. I hope, I hope that anything of what I said, any little bit of what I said resonated to you and that we can get back to that world collectively because think about it, we're all empowered when any one of us steps up and we start making a difference. The great resignation was the start, but I don't think walking away is solving the problem either. I think we have to fight back and we have to fight back in a form that says, all you got to do is be consistent with what you're talking about, be fair with the pay you ask and make sure you're realistic about your requirements at the end of the day, and if you're not all three of those, I'm going to walk away and go to a different company. And then we need company owners to step up and say, we want those disruptors. We want those people who think differently, who are truly different than us. We don't want an echo chamber. We don't want groupthink. We want somebody who comes in and shakes it up. We want somebody to come in and tell us what we're screwing up about. And we actually plan to do something about it. We're not going to just go up on press releases and talk about diversity left and right, we're actually going to do something about it. We need leaders that are willing to do that. And then we need employees who are willing to buck the trend and stop going after the Amazons and the Googles of the world because they pay a lot and rather go for companies that really practice what they preach, quoting Barry White. Thank you for listening for this. I will be back in a few days. I have a couple more topics that I wanted to cover, but Gentleman's World has a slower cadence on purpose. CryptoTalkRadio.net is our site. Don't worry about the name. It's a joined thing. When you go there, it lists all of our various podcasts. Gentleman's World is near the bottom. Please like and subscribe to the podcast if you like it. Share it to anybody else that you think might be interested in the topical material. And as you've heard, if you've been a longtime listener, you know I talk about just about anything. So I'm dumping, right? It's life, the universe, and everything. Anything that comes to mind, I will talk about on Gentleman's World. We also have a contact form. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or feedback, Feel free to fill that out. It's at the top when you go to CryptoTalkRadio.net. And be sure to check out our other podcast. Basic Cryptonomics is large. It's got a lot of subscribers to it and a lot of great information over there as well. And if you're a boxing fan, we have a podcast on that one on YouTube. But I will continue to do Gentleman's World at the cadence that I'm doing. Really infrequent because I don't want to bore you necessarily with targeted material that I want to make sure that you hear from the source. At some point later, there will be guests, but I have to work all that out. Take care. 
Have a great weekend because we're right here at the boxing weekend. And I will check in with you once I have the next topic prayered.